There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. Thank you so much for deciding to join me on this podcast. I believe it's going to be very informative and very helpful. We've titled it, The Seven Ways of Defining the Universe, but actually we're going to explore two different areas. The seven basic ways of defining the origin of the universe and the seven basic ways of defining the nature of the universe, because both are important. Well, you may say, if I'm a follower of biblical truth, then why would I even take the time to explore the beliefs of other worldviews? Well, one major reason is this, because quite often, especially in our generation, you hear people propose the idea that all religions are basically saying the same thing. So, Aren't they all just different paths of arriving at the same goal? But when you really explore the beliefs of the various worldviews and belief systems that fill this world, it's very clear that they do not all teach the same thing. And so we need to be discerning, and to be discerning, we need to be defining. We need to be defining exactly in detail what each religion believes so that we can see how they contrast, how they correspond to each other in some areas and contradict each other in other areas. So let's go. Let's explore some ideas. The seven basic ways of defining the origin of the universe. Number one is the idea that the universe is eternal and uncreated. This is the belief of Jainism, which is an offshoot of Hinduism. And that religion teaches that there are six basic elements that are never destroyed. They were never created, and they are never destroyed, though they are always in a state of flux, transitioning from one form to another or changing in some way. Those six things are soul, matter, time, space, motion, and the arrest of motion. Another religion that believes the universe is eternal and uncreated is Baha'i. And Baha'i is what you may call an offshoot of Islam. Number two, the universe was created by God out of nothing. Now, of course, this is the belief of Judaism and Christianity. We believe that the Bible says the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, which is a way of describing nothingness. And then God said a series of commands, let there be light, let there be a firmament, let the waters be gathered together and let dry land appear. Different commandments were given to bring forth different aspects of the creation. Now, Islam also believes 
that the universe was created by God out of nothing, but it teaches that he just said the word be and everything exploded into existence. Sikhism also says that with a single command, creation was unfurled. And so those religions are very similar in their outlook. Number three, the third basic belief concerning the origin of the universe is that it was created by God or by various gods or emanated out of ultimate reality using a pre-existing substance. In Hinduism, that substance is referred to as Prakriti, P-A-K-R-I-T-I, and that's the original source of all material things. Well, my question would be, where did Prakriti come from? But in that religion, it was a substance used to bring forth the entire universe. Another example of that way of thought is the Japanese religion called Shinto. In that worldview, the creation myth depicts a cosmic egg splitting to form heaven and earth, and that reveals a kind of yin-yang type of cosmogony. The better positive portion of the egg-shaped substance rises to form the sky, while the inferior negative portion descends to produce the earth and the sea. And according to Shinto tradition also, two original deities, Izanagi and Izanami, were standing on a floating bridge in the heaven, and Izanagi was stirring the ocean water with his jeweled celestial spear. And once it was raised, the droplets of water fell from the spearhead, forming the Japanese island of Onogorojima. To this island, the divine couple descended where they married and gave birth to other deities, the other Japanese islands, and the Japanese people. Now, of course, that's a very unique way of looking at it, but again, the universe was created out of a pre-existing substance, and in that worldview, it was a cosmic egg. Okay, number four. The fourth way of looking at the origin of the universe is that it was emanated out of God. That's different than creation. Emanation is much different than creation. So God is an impersonal life force, and out of the Godhead is emanated a universe that is actually spirit taking the form of matter. And it's a temporary illusion but everything is divine in essence as a result. Number five, the universe was created by God, and though it is not God in manifestation, God is the essence of life within the universe, which is different than the biblical worldview. God exists apart from creation in the biblical worldview. Number six, the universe was created by God, and he exists separate or outside of the physical universe, which is the biblical idea, the biblical concept. And then number seven, the universe is simply the result of causal actions. That's what Buddhism believes, and that's uh, what Scientology believes. But uh, to show you the Buddhist belief, let me quote the Dalai Lama. 
Listen to what he said. The entire Buddhist worldview is based on a philosophical standpoint in which all things and events come into being purely as a result of interactions between causes and conditions. Within that philosophical worldview, it is almost impossible to have any room for an atemporal, eternal, absolute truth, nor is it possible to accommodate the concept of a divine creation. Similarly, for a Christian whose entire metaphysical worldview is based on a belief in the creation and a divine creator, the idea that all things and events arise out of mere interaction between causes and conditions has no place within that worldview. So in the realm of metaphysics, it becomes problematic at a certain point, and the two traditions must diverge. Now, those are words ascribed to the Dalai Lama. And if he said that Buddhism and Christianity are incompatible and they must diverge, then certainly we have to agree with that. Well, those are the seven basic categories or basic expressions concerning the origin of the universe. But there are some variations I like to touch on. For instance, in Zoroastrianism, the world is the creation of two separate gods. You have Ahura Mazda, who is the the god of goodness and wisdom. And then another god, Angramenu, is the god of darkness. And both have the power to create. And Angramenu created a rival negative and evil creation that is in conflict with the positive and good creation of Ahura Mazda, which is a very unique way of looking at it. Also, Kabbalah, which is the esoteric offshoot of Judaism. Not all Jewish people believe in the Kabbalah, and so it's not representative of every person's belief if they embrace Judaism. But listen to the strange uh, idea, the unique idea that stems from that worldview. And and that is, uh, I'll just read from In Search of the True Light, the book that I've written that compares all these various worldviews. Kabbalah believes in something called the shattering of the vessel. Now, this has kind of gotten more attention in, in recent years because Madonna claimed to embrace Kabbalah beliefs for a season and some other Hollywood personalities also got involved in Kabbalah. I don't think it's so popular now among them. But anyway, this is what Kabbalah believes. Listen, this idea begins with the premise that a dominant characteristic in the creator, who is referred to as the light, was and is an infinite and boundless desire to share of itself. This necessitated the creation of a receiving entity. Thus, the vessel came into being, formed from the light. And at a certain point, the vessel wanted to become more like the creator, but was unable to do so as long as it could only receive and not give. So to achieve its goal, the vessel resisted the light and the light pulled back. Overwhelmed with desire to be restored and refilled, the vessel drew on the light 
which then rushed into the vessel with even greater force, and the result was the defining moment of all Kabbalistic teaching. At that instant, the vessel shattered. It exploded into an infinite number of fragments, which became our universe, both matter and energy. This concept is also promoted as being in harmony with the modern term, the Big Bang Theory. That's very unique when it comes to the origin of the universe. And of course, there's a lot of myths in just about all your major religions concerning various deities that had a part in bringing forth the universe. But one that stands out in my mind very uniquely is Gnosticism. Ancient Gnosticism believed something that is just different than any other worldview I've come across. And let me just read it to you again out of the True Light book, In Search of the True Light. If you want to compare the beliefs of over 20 religions in seven basic categories, including the origin and the nature of the universe, you should get my book, In Search of the True Light. Now, here's the belief of Gnosticism. The original lofty and unknowable creator generated a number of lesser deities by emanation. What does that mean? It means that this unknowable source of all things emanated out of itself, deified beings, different deities, different gods. And the last of these was called Sophia, which is a word for wisdom. And Sophia conceived a desire to know the unknowable God, which was a transgression. And so out of this illegitimate desire was produced a deformed, evil God or demiurge who created the universe, the material world. This demiurge is usually identified as Yahweh or Jehovah, the God of the Jews. And so because of its negative origin, because it was created by an evil God, matter is considered corrupt and evil. Now that's a unique point of view. No, according to the biblical view, it's not corrupt and it's not evil because with each step of creation, God assessed the progress and came to the conclusion, it is good. And on the last day, the sixth day of creation, he came to the conclusion, it is very good. And so it was not corrupt and it was not evil at its origin. Now let's go into the nature of the universe, the seven basic ways the nature of the universe is described in different worldviews. And I may touch on particular religions that embrace particular points of view. First of all, dualism. Dualism is the concept that the universe is composed of two distinct parts, mind and matter, or being and non-being. So you have a spiritual aspect and you have a material aspect, and that there is a distinct difference and separation between the creator and the creation. And so Christianity would fall into that category, being dualistic. However, there's another point of view, and that is monism. Dualism 
is the belief that the creator and the creation are separate and distinct. But monism is the idea that all things in the universe, natural and spiritual, are all of one essential substance. Monism is usually married to the concept of pantheism that we'll get to in just a moment. But monism is the idea that all is one and one is all. Now, there's three different kinds of monism, though. There are people who believe that the entire universe is purely mental and what you see is an illusion. And then there are those who believe the universe is purely physical and there's no spirit behind it. And then there are those who believe there's a mixture of the first two points of view. And so there are uh, several different classes of people who would embrace a monistic view of the universe. Dualism, and then number two, monism. Then number three, you have monistic theism. Now it's getting really detailed, which is a blend between monism and dualism. And according to this view, during the soul's evolution, God appears to be separate and transcendent and apart from the universe and from us. But ultimately, at the end of our spiritual journey, all things will blend together into undifferentiated oneness and monism. And so the dualistic aspect is only temporary and it's not absolute. Then the fourth way of looking at the universe is pantheism. And I told you a few moments ago that if someone embraces monism, it leads to the idea of pantheism. And the word pantheism comes from two root words, pan and theos, that mean all is God and God is all. The tree is God, the cat is God, the dog is God, every human being is God. It's all God in manifestation. Some Hindus believe that. And the branch of Hinduism that embraces that idea is Advaita Vedanta. And they believe that everything is a manifestation or an emanation of God, pantheism. There is a modification of that belief that is called panentheism, P-A-N-E-N-T-H-E-I-S-M. Panentheism does not believe that everything is an emanation of God, but that the essence of God is within all material things. That even though God transcends creation, he is the essence of life within it. So God is already inside of everything and everyone, which would not be a biblical point of view, because according to biblical teaching, God exists separate from us, especially because of our fallen state and sin-stained status. And so we have to be born again, and that's when the Spirit of God, the life of God, the presence of God comes back into us. There's also a view of the nature of the universe that is called theism. And theism is the idea that creation is separate from God. It's similar to dualism. It's the idea that God is transcendent and he exists apart from the material universe. And so uh, you could say that Christianity is dualistic and theistic. But there's a final seventh way of looking at the nature of the universe that just embraces everything. And it's called pluralism. And pluralism is the idea that reality is comprised of a number of parts, 
and no single belief system can sufficiently explain the nature of the universe or the nature of God. So there you have it, the seven basic ways that the nature of the universe is defined, dualism, monism, monistic theism, pantheism, panentheism, pluralism, and theism. Those are a lot of isms, and I'm so glad I've got more than an ism. I'm so glad I've got a relationship with the true and the living God. I know him, and he knows me, and that happened when I made Jesus Lord of my life. I wasn't sure if it was true. I wasn't sure if Jesus uttered a valid statement when he said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. But I was willing to open my mind and heart up to the possibility. I was a teacher of yoga at four universities in Tampa, Florida. I was running a yoga ashram in 1970. And then I dared to open my heart and mind to the idea that maybe, just maybe, Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And as soon as I opened the door to him, he opened the door to me. I encountered the true and the living God, and you can too. And you can find out that of all these views of the universe, its nature and its origin, there is one source of truth, and that is the Bible. It's inspired by God. It was written by the Spirit of God through 40 authors, but it was God inspiring each one of them. Embrace the Bible, and you'll find the roadmap that leads to eternity. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light, and thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.